Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 88th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that, you know, doesn't have a Patreon, but, you know, like, if you, like, want us to, like, have one, we could, like, set one up or whatever. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation. A quick message from our sponsor, Face-to-Face Games. Face-to-FaceGames.com provides competitive pricing on Magic singles and sealed product with shipping to both the U.S. and Canada. Check out face-to-face card pricing via mtgprice.com, whether building your deck or stockpiling a spec. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at mtgcritic on Twitter. My co-host tonight is Travis Allen, a.k.a. at wizardbumpin', and we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good afternoon, James. Good afternoon, listeners. Uh, Looking forward to episode 88 here. Our show is sponsored by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. Travis, what's on the agenda this week? Well, James, this week we have a show in three parts. Segment one is our top movers, where we will talk about all the cards that have moved in price over the past week. Segment two is our cards to watch. James and I will share some of the cards that we think may rise in price in the future. And segment three is our metagame week in review. We'll talk about the Star City Open from this past weekend in our first look at Ixalan Standard. Let's start off with segment one here. Our top movers at the bottom of the list, we have Conjurer's Bauble from Fifth Dawn for a double up from $2 to $4. It looks like we got our... Oh, yeah, okay, there we go. I got confused there. Uh, $2 to $4 on Foil Conjurer's Bauble from Fifth Dawn. Um, You know, I don't think we've seen an increase in the amount of play on this necessarily recently. Uh, There just weren't very many copies to begin with. And they have steadily drained out of the market. Surprisingly, has never been reprinted. Um, it shows up in like eggs, and I don't even think Lantern uses it. It might just be eggs. Um, so not a really huge demand profile, but even for a common, you wait long enough, uh, supply will eventually drain. Low supply back alley mugging, as far as I can tell. Yeah, basically. Uh, okay, what do you got? Olivia Valderin, most recently that? printed in Modern Masters 2017, moving from $5 to $10 as people realize that uh, steady demand for a vampire that didn't show up in the Commander Vampire deck uh, is going to bring that card back to its uh, in the direction of its previous price total. Okay, yeah. I uh, It did take a bit of a dip. It used to be like 15 bucks. I'm pretty sure. Olivia was, was pretty pricey. Um, and the Modern Masters slashed it pretty hard, so now it's climbing back. That doesn't take very long either, given that Modern Masters 3 was just earlier this year, although Vampires, you know, being the EDH set, really uh, really sped that process up. Um, it's an, it's an okay. occasional Jund card in Modern as well, so limited Modern profile. Yeah, and I'm sure, and I'm sure it probably has no shortage of fans in casual decks too, Um you know, where it's a pretty reasonable body, it's unlikely to get killed because nobody ever plays removal in casual decks and it just turns into steel creatures constantly. Uh, so pretty powerful there in casual vampire decks too. Yeah, it's a certified bomb if you're playing against your six-year-old sister. Yeah. Uh, okay, next is Phyrexian Reclamation from Urza's Legacy. Uh, not the foils this week. We have talked about the foils in the past. The non-foils jumped from a little over dollar to two fifty for just about a double up. Um, I'm looking, man, really, you can't get them much cheaper than $253 on TCG right now. Market price is still around $1.50. Not a lot of copies left, even across all three printings. There's Urza's Legacy. There is Commander 2015 and Commander 2013. Um, so it looks like, I guess, you know, the foil spiked and people, maybe that brought people's attention to this card. So everyone decided to go out and pick up copies, but there's nothing you can really do with this. Nothing there's there's nothing to do here yeah. right like you just see it and you move on you, you don't even attempt to make money on a, a move from a dollar 25 to 250 <laughs> that's a non-event so just kick on back and pretend that didn't happen yeah so foil collected companies uh theoretically moving from 35 to 75 some copies trickling back into the market in the 60 to 70 dollar range but otherwise relative holding relatively steady not seeing a, a flood of copies suddenly show up 
um, which leads me to believe that these are going to probably hold for a while, and I have a feeling um, that we're going to get uh, a pretty decent exit on the remaining copies I have in stock in the 60 to 80 range, especially if you're patient. Um, I don't think this gets a reprint anytime soon. It could show up uh, this spring in the 25th uh, set, but if it dodges there, it's probably a shoe in to be sat on until Modern Masters 2019. Uh, yeah, I agree on all that, and I also agree that we probably won't see this. We probably won't see people rush to the market to list their foil collected companies. This is not some spike out of nowhere. This is not like a Rishadon brigand or whatever that people are desperate to get out of. Um, they know everyone knows this is a legit card. It is very powerful. It deserves its price tag. Um, so they will be a lot less hesitant to race to the bottom with this than you might be with some of the other cards we will talk about this week. Yeah, I got offered 60 on a foil Japanese copy just a couple of hours ago that I turned down. So I'm feeling relatively confident that there's no rush. Yep. Okay. Next up is, uh, I'm really, I did a double take when I saw this gifted Aetherborn, the uncommon from Aether revolt. It's the, uh, the Aetherborn vampire, I mean, the price is showing it moved from $1.50 to like three and change. Uh, looks like the cheapest copy on TCG right now is three bucks. Um, and that's what it's selling for. Uh, I guess it's being played in standard. You have probably people that want it for their EDH vampire decks, a popular casual card. Uh, again, can't really do anything to make money off of this, I suppose, but worth being aware of at least pull them out of your bulk. You can get actual money for these in trade. Yeah, this is this is all about standard activity. Like it's a a decent card against Ramanop Red. It's uh because it has both lifelink and death touch, right? So the <clears throat> it fulfills a, a number of different roles um, in the format. Acts as a good little speed bump, and uh, you see it show up in a, a variety of different decks. Um, doesn't seem to me like it's earned its slot permanently, uh, for for sure. And I think it was like. Some of the Esper builds that were running it most prominently um, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think I've seen it in. Uh, I'm trying to think if I saw it in Four Color Energy. I don't think so. So I mean, it's going to see modest play uh, in standard. If you can, if you see a buy list or anybody that has these in trade, by all means, trade out of them because they'll go back to being worth a quarter um, once they're no longer needed in standard. Yep. Yep. All right, so Authority of the Consoles from Kaladesh, moving from 250 to 550. That's a surprising move for a card that looked like uh, it, it would be relegated mostly to uh, sideboards and standard. Um, but it's proven to be a, an important card in the format, and uh, I don't know if it can hold 5 to 6. So I think that this is almost a, certainly a sell, especially if you can unload multiple copies at a time. Yeah, I agree. Authority. I, I it's hard to imagine this card being able to maintain that price tag at all. Um, remember, Aether were, or Kaladesh and Aether Revolt had the the inventions in, on them, so that really puts some downward pressure on the price of singles there. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you can get rid of these, trade them at the store, whatever, uh, anything you can do to get rid of these kind of side, you know, you just sort of uninspiring cards that exist in standard that people kind of need but nobody's excited to own. Um, I got Fumigate for us from Kaladesh, both non-foils and foils. The non-foils, uh, a little over a double up, like two to four and change. Um, I think the foils jumped from like three to eight or something. Uh, I mean, it's the best sweeper in standard right now. Um, it, you know, we don't have any four mana sweepers. This is at five. Also gains you life for everything you take out. So it gives you some ground back against Ramanop Red. Uh, it's going to work well against vampire decks that are looking to go wide. And we've seen blue-white approach of the second sun be a fairly powerful standard strategy so far as a carryover from last season, and Fumigate's a big part of that. So I, I don't think this is uh, – I don't even – can't even – well, at 450, if you can get 450 or 5 for these, especially at your local store, I would take it. Um, but I, I'd actually think that you could see this creep a little higher but probably not too far. And that depends on kind of the metagame, you know, if it really becomes a full four up and uh, if you get a little more action on it, I'd have to see a little more play, I think, to, to climb further. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super bullish on this. I think that five to six is going to be a, a hard boundary for it to pass. It's no hostage taker. The, um, the other thing, right. though, is that the foils, I think, are a hold. I have a feeling they're going to show up on one of our spec lists sooner or later because they're already in several thousand uh, EDH.rec decks. Um Getting life for all the creatures you kill in a multiplayer game is a pretty good wrath. 
Yep, I completely agree. You gained some quite a bit of additional ground on that one. Yeah, and so extra I mean, mana is relatively minimal. Yeah, I mean, for one extra mana, you could be gaining anywhere from 5 to 15 to 20 life. So, pretty relevant card in EDH, and, and I'm not in a rush to unload foils. In fact, I'll be a buyer shortly. Sure. Uh, okay, what do you got for us? All right, next on our list, we've got the Conspiracy Foils of Marari's Wake moving from 35 to 80. This is a card that's been reprinted multiple times, uh, and despite the relatively recent reprinting, um, uh, you know, these foils have dried up on EDH demand, and uh, you're now looking at uh, four crisp $20 bills if you want to add one to your deck. Yep, it has been around quite a bit, um, and this is the most recent foil printing. It's a really popular EDH card, uh, one of the first types of cards you realize how busted it is in EDH compared to normal magic. So I'm not too surprised to see this, um, but Wizards has also proven time and time again that they're willing to throw more copies at us. So uh, I probably wouldn't uh, would not hold on to these if I had them. Yeah, I mean, if your deck likes mana and making your creatures bigger, then I guess it's OK. Yeah, can't, yeah, can't go wrong there. Uh, okay, we're looking now at Living Wish um, from Judgment. Last week we talked about the Judge Foils. This time we're talking about the Pack Foils. Uh, jumped from like 10 to 25. Uh, basically just catching up on the demand from last week, which we said was used in... Oh, shoot, we talked about it. Now I forgot. It's used in something. What is it used in? Do you remember? I want to say Lands and Legacy. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's used somewhere in Legacy. There were not a lot of foil copies left. The Judge foils are really expensive. And now the uh, the Pack foil seem pretty expensive too. Um, you can buy one right now for 30 uh, but the market price hasn't really gone up too much. Still around 15 16 uh, It's ultimately going to be a very minimally used card. And I don't see that changing very much. So if I can get 30 bucks for this, I would take it. Yeah, so we see it like sometimes in green black decks and legacy, but like the overall demand profile pretty low. So this is a kind of card that on this kind of spike, definitely an, I, I'm a seller. Okay, good to know. Uh, what's next for us? So we've got Hostage Taker as the most uh, biggest mover and shaker of the rares of Ixalan. This thing bumped up from seven to almost twenty dollars this week, sitting in around sixteen to eighteen. That's like a hundred and fifty percent plus gain. Arguably the most important card uh, out of Ixalan, uh, and as we'll see in our metagame week in review, um, a card that is kind of setting the pace for the format and making blue black the nexus of of many build arounds. Yeah, this card uh, at eighteen is real pricey. Um, I could see it hanging out around like 10, 11. I mean, that's basically what Walking Ballista has done, which I would consider a better and more versatile card. Of course, Walking Ballista was from like Kaladesh, which had the inventions. Um, and Hostage Taker is from Ixalan, which does not. So, uh, you know, if, if Hostage Taker manages to hold a higher price point than Walking Ballista, then we will know that the Masterpieces did a very good job of keeping cha- standard cheaper. Yeah, I think we can both agree this is a sell, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's just no way that you can reasonably expect it, uh, to pop anymore. Um, next, oh shoot. Next on our list, I accidentally closed the, the tab here. Next on our list is uh Richard on cut purse from Mercadian masks. We're looking at uh foil copies specifically. It's probably jumped from eight to $22. Um, although TCG market price hasn't moved and there's a copy out there for like 16, whatever it's from the legacy pirates deck. No, no, uh, no that, that, that's a, that's all nonsense. That's that deck list has yet to show up with any. What else would it be from? Oh, it's then? it's the hype around people thinking there was a Legacy Pirates deck and a bunch of bad lists floating around. Um, and I was yeah, and I've sold Cut Purse, Brigand, and Footpad foils. Uh, I think over a hundred and fifty, almost two hundred dollars worth over the last month or so. But I still haven't found a solid list that runs these cards. <laughs> yeah okay so it's it's because of the legacy pirates list it just isn't good no no no. i don't think the legacy pirates list exists as far as i've heard most recently heard it's just a troll job um that nobody nobody was ever actually doing super well in legacy leagues online that it was just a, a rumor that got propagated um and i still have so then why are people buying it yeah well excellent question right because um greater fools um people think that 
this is going to be a list and they run out and grab the cards they think are in it because people were circulating pictures of lists and people don't like to do full research. <laughs> well, uh, if you artificially increased the price of foil Rishadon cards and got people to buy them uh, and you made a bunch of money off of that, then uh, congratulations that's funny you did it well, i mean keep it <laughs> that's capitalism because <laughs> keep in mind up to six weeks ago we saw some of these showing up uh on our moves and shakers list and i was selling them as as recently as four to six weeks ago and when we first talked about them we were talking about them in the context of brago or something like an edh like the decks that can mm-hmm. they can use flicker effects can make good use of these because they affect all opponents um but Again, I still haven't seen a list. So as far as I'm concerned, these are sell, 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 because without a list, these are just, it's pure hype engine you just want to sell into and forget about. Yeah. Sneaky pirates always tricking people into buying things they shouldn't be. Mm, That's what they're known for. All right. What's next on the list? All right. Next on our list is Death Gorge Scavenger from Ixalan. The non-foil specifically, 225 and change uh, for a little under 200% pickup. Well, you've seen this scan- scattered over standard uh, this past weekend. The Saltite Energy decks were running playsets in the board. There's also a couple other decks that had copies between the main and the board. Seems to be a reasonably effective way to put a body on the board, gain some life, make a useful creature. It's sort of like a fixed scavenging news. So I don't think that, you know, $5 and change is a reasonable price for this unless uh, it really picks up ahead uh, of steam in standard main decks. So I would be trading or selling these here right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're going to see additional inventory flood into the market for this set. And um, not all of these cards are going to set up shop um, as super important in standard. In fact, if history is any uh, great educator on this topic, we're only going to see two or three of these cards um, capable of holding prices above their norms for their existing rarities. Um, and so, I mean, all of the cards that have spiked early on for this set have been a bonus if you bought an early and you should exit, exit, exit. Yep. Yep. What's next for us, James? Next on the list, we have Heroic Intervention from Aether Revolt. The foil's moving from 5 to $14. Um, I don't think this was on one of our lists recently, but it was on the back burner for me to add to a list at some point. Um, unfortunately, somebody else must have mentioned it before we did. Um, this is a card that's already pretty popular in EDH. Um, thousands of decks on EDH.rec using the card. Um, pretty nice effect to have in a format where people regularly use sweepers that destroy, um, as it gives all of your creatures uh, permanence or creatures permanence? Permanence indestructible. Um, permanence yeah permanence um, that's really nice if you're running a bunch of planeswalkers and creatures and artifact mana rocks and so forth and so on um so an important edh card i'm not surprised to see the foils pop um congrats to whoever decided to take a big swipe at them it really upsets me to see that this card costs as much because it absolutely should not this card is not that good. Please don't play it. It's so bad. Uh, I will never make money on bad magic cards because I can't bring myself to buy them. Just so dumb. I don't know. This is a pretty reasonable card in EDH. Being able to counter like a massive board sweep when everybody else loses their shit and you're left with all of your attracts of Planeswalker nonsense, that's pretty good. Eh, I mean, like you have to set up for it. Like you, you, ha- you really have to get essentially lucky to like have it in your hand when somebody casts it and then they have somebody else not have another one right after them and uh you know it's just very and also the wrath effect has to not exile it has to destroy instead true you know you've got hallowed burial and final judgment uh i don't think a chroma's wrath exiles but uh, there's just you know you can certainly construct a scenario where you blow people out of the water with this card but more often than not it seems like you're probably paying two mana to save one creature that ends up dying next turn anyways um, after that, we have another Rishadon card, Rishadon Brigand, uh, same deal, non-foil, 7 to 20, Legacy Pirates, or supposed Legacy Pirates, whatever. Also, Diochan, Artful Beauty from Commander's Arsenal, um, foil, of course, if it's from Commander's Arsenal, jumped from 7 to 22, it looks like. Uh, this is a curious card, um, originally from... 
this is not originally from Commander. This is originally from like Portal, Portal Three, Three Kingdoms, Kingdoms I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a four mana one one that you can tap to destroy a creature, but then uh, your opponents, your opponent gains control of the creature, and then they can do it. So it's pretty odd the way the way it plays out, and you could only do it beforehand too. Uh, it's <laughs> it's a curious card, um, but. I don't know. I mean, it's a commander arsenal card or portal three kingdom. So there's not like there's a lot of copies to choose from. Um, so I don't think that this is necessarily a bad price for the card. I mean, it does seem like it could kind of stick here a little bit better. I mean, the only other option is portal three kingdoms, right? Yeah. I just think it's a, it's a card that not a lot of people are really thinking about. And so it's not the kind of card that I think you're going to have an easy time unloading multiple copies of. If you've got one or two sitting around in a binder, then throw them up on eBay and sometime in the next several months, maybe somebody buys it from you. But it's not a card you can really make a play around. Um, very, As a card on EDH.rec, it only shows up in like 242 decks. That's just not the kind of profile you want to be building your specs around. You know, I guess it gets better with Marisol, right? Uh, especially if you give Marisol Shroud. And then you don't care what creature. It's, I'm sorry. Let me, let me give you guys a real sex here. Tap, destroy target creature of your choice. Then destroy target creature of an opponent's choice. So you're like, I'm going to blow up your shit. And then, hey, buddy, what do you want to blow up? And he blows up something else. So like, you can get rid of two creatures without losing any of yours. So it's an odd card. Very political. So I could see. I, I mean, I guess it's probably picked up because of it's in, because of Marisol. I don't know if it's actually good in Marisol, though. Hmm. I'm not even seeing Marisol uh, on the radar for this card on edh.rec yet so i think it's just steer clear steer clear. oh really yeah yeah that's what i would have guessed but apparently not um okay what else you got so this next one is like a thorn in my side because it made me money this week but it wasn't the kind of money that made it worthwhile for the hassle uh, approach of the second sun i had a whole pile i think almost just about 80 copies that i got in at like 50 cents each um i don't know why i decided i wanted any part of that in the spring, but it must have been uh, part of a larger purchase on Star City Games or something. And they were just sitting around in a box, and I was expecting to make no money on them. And then all of a sudden, uh, a playset sold for 14 and then I sold six or seven more. And now that's dried up, but damn it if those playsets weren't just worth just about enough to make putting them in an envelope and sending them off worthwhile. It was like 6 or $7 a set. Uh, profit after fees etc which is like the lowest end that i ever want to touch but you know gotta do what you gotta do i guess i seem to recall you talking about this and like you brought it up on the cast as like a card you were going to pick up at 50 cents or something and i'm like i don't want to tell him that i hate that i'm just gonna be like oh well okay like i don't i don't think it was a pick of the week i i I, (laughs) no i don't either i think you just like mentioned it offhand yeah and so it it bore fruit but it's it's that sour fruit that is just doesn't make any sense and do do as we say not as we do these are sometimes we we make silly late night decisions and what have you yeah i mean i remember buying like 40 sigil tracers after merfolk was spoiled as uh and what was it, it was it one of the commander decks it wasn't one of the commander decks why did i buy oh it was a wizard that's what it was and uh like I paid like sixty cents for them, and I was selling them on TCG at like five fifty a piece or something. So I was getting like several bucks a card, and like God, I had to package so many of those stupid things. And the, every time I had to package one, I'm like, I'm getting like four dollars to do this, which is a good hourly rate. But damn, if it isn't annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's super annoying. I mean, you're just, you're just like, it's worth it, like kind of, but. Uh. See a dollar to a dollar to three dollars or four dollars. I'm not. Even, I, I won't even ship it. I don't care what the percentage return is. A play set where you make six seven bucks. You have to do it because it's dumb. Like why leave them sitting around? And I'm already shipping a bunch of other stuff anyway. But every time I I put one of those into an envelope, I was just like sigh. Yep, and you're like, you're also like, <laughs> yeah, it's just. And it feels, and you're like, oh, well, you know, it's like 60 cents and I know the card is going to go up. So really the best, that what would be the best way to do it is to buy a ton of them and then just like buy list them. And even though you don't make as much of a margin, you still get to sell through a ton of them. The problem is like, you're not going to find four or 500 at 50 cents each 
in the first place, nor are you going to find anyone that wants that many. So like the amount that you'd have to buy in order to like make buy listing them really worth it, like doesn't work either. The numbers just aren't there. I mean, one of our listeners sent me the num- his numbers on, he had a like about an equivalent amount as me and he sent them into a major buy list, like maybe Card Kingdom or something um, on Monday and managed to unload for like a double up. Like, so he doubled like $40 into $80 or something. Um Okay, fine. Especially if you were sending in a bigger buy buy list order. For me, it's almost never worth it because I always run the risk from Canada of not getting of the buy list order not arriving on time unless it's particularly big and I tracked it and shipped it like express. So Mm -hmm. like for small ball buy list, forget it. I'm not even thinking about it. And the thing is that I made double the profit that he did by selling it on on sales platforms. But I had to ship each of those sets individually. Now, if it had been 50 sets then and the buy list had been a little better than i maybe i would have thought about it yeah yeah for sure for sure if you well at least if you can get rid of them in sets it ameliorates that a little bit you know those sigil tracers i had to do one at a time that's the worst yeah all right uh <laughs> so after approach of the second sun it's another stupid rishadon card this time rishadon footpad i don't care uh after that is volrath's shapeshifter from stronghold uh Supposedly 80 cents to $22 seems unlikely to be real. Uh, let's see here. It's reserve list. Shapeshifter. It's reserve list. Reserve right? list. Yeah. And it, as long as the top card of your, of your graveyard is in your, is a creature, Volrash Shapeshifter is a copy of that card. Um, and then you can pay two to, to discard a card. So, I mean, it, it's not a terrible card, but yeah, it is. Didn't we? Did we say there was another reason for this? I thought we had come across something that we were like, oh, I guess it's also useful here. Like maybe Marisil somehow because you can discard cards with it and get things in the graveyard and then she can exile them, but she doesn't really need that anyway. I Honestly, this card doesn't really have an EDH.rec profile at all. So I think this is just somebody, the same people that have been taking a stab at the reserve list all summer have are just referring to the wikipedia page <laughs> and are steadily depleting re- like inventory it's it's not complicated okay yeah i couldn't i for some reason i thought there might have been something else too but that also seems completely viable i mean it doesn't really it doesn't um, really compare to our top spec of the week which is foil seventh edition grizzly bears which apparently went from a <laughs> dollar to 33 dollars which is total nonsense and so let's move on to the next segment yeah okay so Cards to watch. James, why don't you get us started? All right. Let's talk about some stuff that can actually make our listeners money. Um, kicking off with Sigarda's Aid Foils. i um, been taking a look at Eldritch Moon cards that um, have no reason to be going anywhere, given that they just rotated out. Um, and Sigarda's Aid is a card that shows up in several thousand EDH.rec decks. Pretty much any of the commanders that are related to equipment are interested in this card because it's a one-mana enchantment that says you may cast auras and equipments as though they had flash, and whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach it to target creature you control. So it's not like a super high-power card, but it's also not a card I expect them to reprint anytime soon. It's just like, it's so niche. Um, demand profile is not going to be really high. It'll show up in some master set at some point, but that could be anywhere from three to five years from now. And in the meantime, these foils are probably going to hit $15, $10-$15 from the current buy-in price of three or four. Um, if you need one for a deck in EDH, go ahead and snap it up now. Like This is probably the local low for the foils. And if you wanted to stash away 10 or 12 copies for sales down the road or trades uh, into your play group, that's probably not a terrible idea either. Yeah, this is a nifty card, um, and I, I remember thinking that it was it was cool when we initially saw it in the spoilers. Uh, and it, you're right, it's it's it fits really well in any deck that wants equipment. It's like, well, yeah, why would I not play this, right? Like, it just makes all of my equipment so much better. I don't know if I'll ever actually get to play with it because I don't love equipment decks; they're very linear. Um, but it is a cool card. I do like the foils uh, this cheap because it is something that will just show up in all of those equipment decks it's like base and they're all going to be white too right like how many decks are going to be equipment based that aren't white so i'm i'm on board i think it's a good choice yeah it really helps that sram senior edificer showed up in other revolt um and is now the kind of like predominant uh equipment commander um between him and zergo kemba and nahiri the lithomancer we've got uh, a bunch of archetypes that 
present some amount of demand for the card. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Um, okay, I am going to uh, I'm going to start off this week with Assemble the Legion from Gate Crash. This is the red white enchantment that uh, spits out soldier tokens every turn based on the number of upkeeps you've had in play. So the first upkeep you get one, the second upkeep you get two, and so forth. Um, they don't go away. So you know on the second turn you're adding two that will join the one from previous turn. Uh, it is a pretty powerful card. Um, once it gets the ball rolling, because then you're adding four or five and six tokens, certainly got a boost recently with anointed procession showing up uh, before you had to play Naya to pair it with token token doubling effects. But now with anointed procession, you can stay in red white or go another direction. You have access to something. So it got a little more appealing. It also works really well, really well with proliferate effects. So you can kind of ramp it up pretty quick. Uh, but what's caught, you know, I never really like, I thought it was kind of cute in EDH, but I didn't think too much of it because you don't get that many upkeeps. But this is a over 7,000 EDH decks, which uh, was a lot more than I was expecting by probably 5,000. There are not a lot of uh, copies. I'm sorry, I'm talking about foils, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that out loud. I'm talking about foils here. There are not a lot of copies left on the market either. Um, so, you know, grabbing these at six, grabbing foils of this at six bucks, I don't know why they would put this in another product especially in foil right like you could see it in like an arch enemy or something but that's not going to touch the foils it's only going to expand the demand profiles people learn about the card so you know with low supply uh this many edh decks foils this cheap uh seem like you're probably good up to at least in the high low teens 15 ish dollar range i think is pretty safe yep i can see it i've been holding on to a bunch of the the foils since they basically came out um, and I think that my exit point is probably somewhere in the ten to fifteen dollar range as well. The the ability to just like pl- just dump a pile of tokens on the board in a short enough number of turns that the target that appears on your forehead the second you cast this may not bring enough weapons to bear fast enough to eliminate you depending on what else is going on um, makes this a pretty powerful threat and enchantments are hard to remove in EDH. So anything that's making like an ever spiraling amount of threats um, and is associated with that card type is a, a value in the format. Yeah, you know, like there's lots of answers to artifacts and enchantments in EDH, but the truth of the matter is every game I play, no one ever draws them or they come up, you know, like two to three will be cast an entire game and everyone is casting artifacts and enchantments in the meantime. So unless it is the most threatening one on the board, it, you probably get to keep it and Assemble the Legion feels like it will sit comfortably at second or third most threatening one on the board. So a lot of games, this will go completely unchecked. Yep. All right, so my next pick is Thought Not Seer. Um, we called the foils a while back. They've already made you some money. You can, I actually noticed there are very few foils left under 40. There are copies out there for 25. So I think the foils at 25 are a snap by because they're going to hit 40 to 50. Um, it's the 10th most played creature in modern right now. Uh, and uh, Eldrazi decks look like they're here to stay in that format unless one of their key pieces like Temple gets removed. Um, they seem to, to occupy a good space in the format that Wizards has every reason to support. It's just a, there's a, it's a control-ish mid-range deck that um, fulfills a death and taxes type role right now via Black White Eldrazi. And they have every reason to want that kind of thing to be there as kind of a natural foil to combo decks. And the non-foils are sitting in and around 6 to $7, but I, I feel fairly confident that's going to be a $20 card before it gets a chance to get reprinted, where, and the most natural reprint space would probably be Modern Masters 2019. So that sets up a pretty good framework for advancement before you uh, have to get off the train. Well, I love me some Eldrazi. Thought Not Sears are ridiculous. Between those and Reality Smasher, they're just everywhere. Um those foils, man, those foils are, you're, you weren't kidding either too, at like 26, 26, 30, 35, and then 40. So yeah, that is a short ramp up into the 40s too. So uh, yeah, I mean, basically it's hard for me to complain about any Eldrazi at this point. I think they're all all pretty good choices. Well, I think Smasher, Matter Reshaper, Eldrazi Displacer, and well, Thought Not Seer are the ones we're talking about, right? There's a lot of crappy yes, Eldrazi. Yes, it's not every Eldrazi. <laughs> but but that, that package of Eldrazi um, has multi-format, uh, cross-format appeal. And uh, yeah, a good, a good solid target that I think you're not going to be sad to have in your portfolio 12 months from now. Agreed. 
Uh, my second pick of the week is Phyrexian Metamorph. Uh, these guys are have only been printed once in New Phyrexia and also the promo that came along with it. Uh, you would have thought by now that Phyrexian Metamorph would have ended up in one of these Modern Master sets or somewhere else, but it has not. So it's still the only printing. Um, it is in over 17,000 EDH decks, so very popular EDH card. Um, no other printing. Uh, it's hard to reprint because it's Phyrexian mana, right? Like So they can't just toss that anywhere. And uh, I'm looking at the promos this week. Um, the promos also have better art. The non-promo art, the pack foil art, is a little odd. It's just, you, you can kind of tell what's going on. It's got this sort of uh, tentacly thing going on. It's not the greatest. Um, just just doesn't pop. But the the promo is really cool. You got a very, a very I like the silhouette there. Um, in any case, I like the, the promos. Uh, they're available right around $9 right now, although there's not too many of them. And I think these are uh, pretty comfortably on their way to 20 bucks, if not more a piece, just because they're so popular. There's not that many copies out there. Um, and uh, the art on the promo is even better. So if we do see this reprinted, it would probably even use the old art. So you've even got some insulation there. Yeah, I can see it. The It's overdue for a reprint, something at some point, but because of the Phyrexian mana, right, that's like as good as it gets, really, in terms of setting up, uh, setting the stage for, um, you know, making it a low-priority reprint for Wizards. Um, if when they go back to uh, Dominaria, uh, Phyrexians are the bad dudes and Phyrexian mana comes back, then that could be a thing. But they've said multiple times that Phyrexian mana was largely a mistake. So, um, you know, maybe that's the kind of design challenge that Marrow loves and that he would embrace to, like, fix Phyrexian mana. Um, but I wouldn't hold your breath. Mm, it is hard to imagine fixing a, a mechanic that just flat out reduces the cost on the card. I mean, there's no, what knob do you turn other than just making the card worse so that the cheaper version of it is uh not broken yeah like it just i like i guess you could have all of them say like when it comes into play if you paid life like something uh, changes i don't know it seems like that would be a difficult mechanic to balance like storm right it's like you go from zero to 100 and there's not a lot of in between there it also seems like we're still on <clears throat> a long-term plot arc around nickel bolus doing some big craziness right like <clears throat> ixalan is all about like a side story where, you know, Jason Vraska uh, fill in some blanks on what Nicol Bolas is up to. And then it probably circles back to that grand scheme. Um, and, the, and all the Planeswalkers get united. Who knows if that's the spring or next fall or what have you. But, um, you know, yeah, all of that adds up to well, Metamorph may be safe. Well, you know, it's interesting on that note, uh, since we're touching on it, is they said that they had to change the story for Ixalan because people were getting sick of seeing the Gatewatch. So like by the time they heard the feedback of we are sick of the Gatewatch, they retooled uh, Amonkhet to accommodate for that and for Nickel Bulls to win. So clearly they like had a different story in mind and then they're like, oh, whoops, we got to go a different direction here. So it does make me wonder how far out the story is written. And like it seems pretty flexible, you know, given the fact that they can just sort of, nope, never mind, we're going to change it. Yep, fair enough. All right. So, and then just, just a thought. So my final pick of the week is Eldritch Evolution Foils. Um, this is a card, not the first time I've mentioned this card, um, but you can get these foils right now for $5, and it's in 6,000 plus EDH.rec decks, plus the um, potential for its profile in Modern to improve over time. The card is no birthing pod, but it is still a dangerous, dangerous card that has all sorts of open-ended interactions with creatures that have come into play or leaves play effects. Um, so I could easily see these foils hitting 15 um, on the back of EDH play alone uh, before it ever gets a chance at a reprint. Yeah, I actually talked about this card in my article a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't remember the exact episode or the the episode, the exact article. Um, but I, I do really like Eldritch Evolution. It's very powerful. Uh, it does seem like eventually you are going to get there in modern with that card. If not today, you know, then tomorrow type of thing. Um, and the foils are going to look great. It's going to be pot. It's obviously very popular in EDH. So I'm, I'm on board with Eldritch Evolution for sure. Yeah. I've been holding some for a while, but at $5, I'm tempted to just go in on another 10 or 20 copies. So I have to look into that. Okay. Um, 
All right, segment three, our metagame we can review. This week we are looking at the Star City Open from Dallas and also the the classic, I suppose, if we want to venture over there. Um, you know, the Star City Open was won by Saltite Energy, uh, the Jessup Twins taking first and third with identical lists. Um, that seems to be sort of a... I don't, I'm not sure what to call this really. It's like a mashup of like green, black constrictor with a little bit of the like energy decks, except it doesn't have bristling Hydra. And it's also got like rogue refiner. I don't know. It's kind of all over the place, uh, but apparently quite good. I also saw Ramana bread all over the place. Blue white approach made its um, appearance kind of let everyone know that's a control deck in the format, the God Pharaoh's gift. Um, is sort of our control-ish, or not control, like combo-y deck hanging out right now. So a pretty good uh, opening week for Ixalan, I think. And of course, the, the, the story of the weekend was was Hostage Taker, for sure. That's definitely our, our big um, moment this weekend. Over on the Classic, real quick, roughly the same story, although worth pointing out, the first place was... Um, Zach Elsick, who is behind all sorts of funky decks, and this time no different, he brought Grixis Improvise, which uses uh, the Improvise mechanic, uh, and the payoffs there are Herald of Anguish and Tezzeret. Um, well, where is it? Tezzeret the Schemer. So uh, an interesting uh, build over there from Zach, one that we haven't really seen much of at all in Competitive Magic, taking first. So very interesting for Herald of Anguish and Tezzeret. Thing about Zach Elsick is he's a mad genius, um, and some of his builds are going to be things he fools around with for a couple weeks and then gives up on, and some of them are are going to you know set up shop as as surprise um, attacks on the format. Um, you never really know which is which unless you do your own testing. Um, so before you go too deep on a spec from one of the major brewers, um, you know latest hot hit, um, you definitely want to do your research and make sure that you're targeting something that is not going to be just played by some lone wolf. Um, you want this, the cards you, you want to be targeting are cards that are going to show up in multiple archetypes in the format um, that are going to uh, sit at the center of the format, regardless of how the meta ebbs and flows. And, you know, it's worth taking a look at the back on, at the, in the main event, um, the cards that dominated beyond hostage taker. We did have 12 copies of hostage taker in the top eight, which is not a crazy number, um, the fact that the most relevant copies of a rare or a mythic was 12 instead of like 40, like it could have been with Smuggler's Copter, um, is a good sign. Um, we also had 12 copies of uh, Walking Ballista, 8 copies of the Scarab God, which is significantly less than you would imagine would support its existing price tag, so it's a definite sell, folks. Um, 8 copies of Glint Sleeve Siphoner, uh, doing its best Dark Confidant impression in the format. 7 copies of Chandra, Torch of Defiance. We had a listener ask us today what the upper end on that card is. Um, I think given its existing play profile, it's already at the upper end. Um, again, that's almost certainly a sell. Um, seven copies. I, of... I, I will venture. Wait, can I can I chime in here because I didn't get a chance to comment on Twitter. Do your thing. So I I think I think you're mostly correct. I think that this we are basically at the ceiling for Chandra, which by the way on TCG low you're paying right around thirty five dollars to 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 bring a copy home, maybe a little less than that. I do agree. We are pretty much at Chandra's ceiling, but you could see a hit fifty. Like I'm not saying it's going to. Uh, and it, I feel like it would have to increase its presence in the metagame. But, you know, if we get a couple weeks in and this is still showing up in heavy numbers and then the Pro Tour comes and she's really popular, I could see it. I mean, she's really, she's quite good. Uh, yeah, so there you go. I, I don't, I think that, I think it's a sell right now. I just, I completely agree there, but I do think that there is a world in which Chandra is $50. Sure, I think, but the it could also be ten, right? So the downside is yes. much yeah. much greater than the upside, and yeah, the, the, this discussion is like basically just uh, hypothetical because mm-hmm. your purchasing and selling decisions should not be impacted by what we're saying here. Dude's friend was saying like it's one of the top five planeswalkers of all time, and while it is uh, easy to make the comparison to Jace the Mind Sculptor, given the way the abilities are structured. The reality is that without like blues card selection um, or relevant ramp in in its home color, Chandra Torch of Divines is probably limited in modern to like prison control style decks that are backed by Blood Moon, 
And as such, it's going to be a niche player that's played as like a one, two, three, occasional four of, but like not really at the core of the format, usually out on the fringes. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah. And keep in mind that like red and modern is eh, like it's almost always a support color, right? It's not really like the driving force behind most of the decks that it's in. It's like, I want lightning bolt and maybe blood moon and like a blue card that also happens to have red in the monocost. And it doesn't help that fatal push has pushed, uh, you know, the demand for lightning bolt off the, the pedestal that it occupied for so long. Um, since it's a much more efficient, uh, answer to some of the dominant threats in the format that can survive through a bolt, but can't survive a fatal push. Yeah. That card is really, compared to how it used to be played is way less popular than it was simply because of fatal push it's surprising how much of an impact that has had did you see the really sexy bolts i got from peach altars this week though i did they were quite nifty i like those they were uh they were cool looking they're uh, for people that didn't see that they're basically beta construct like <laughs> they're made to look like beta bolts but they were probably fourth edition bolts or revised bolts or something that were painted with black borders and had their art extended so that they look like uh full art beta bolts which are definitely going to be in my modern deck for from here to eternity with whatever judges will let me play mm-hmm. them i was wondering about that i'm like he didn't actually have like beta bolts painted right i'm like i forgot that they were in really bad shape maybe but i'm like i'm gonna assume that he had those painted black and hope for his sake that that's the case (laughs) yeah i I don't even know i I don't even know or care what for what uh version they were i'm assuming they were revised um yeah because they just look so awesome and so thank thanks to peach alters for uh sending those on over okay so i interrupted you while you were talking about the standard there but what was the rest of your thought well the only two other cards of real relevance uh into the rares and mythics is Hazaret, um showed up as a as a four of in the one Revan up red deck. Um, interesting, uh, interestingly, if we look at the top sixteen as opposed to just the top eight, um, we don't see like red showing up in the quantity that you that a lot of people typically expect that it will in the early weeks of the format. There was three more red Revan up red decks in the top sixteen. Um, but that's still only four out of 16, so a nice healthy 25% as opposed to a 50 or 60% that sometimes you see from the dominant aggro deck. Um, so the format looks relatively well balanced. It's, it should be interesting to see how it plays out. And I think that if you're a fan of standard that was, you know, you walked away in the spring or the winter in frustration and disgust, um, this looks like a solid format that you might want to like buy back in on and, and roll the dice. Because I think I have a feeling you're, you're not going to be dealing with any banned cards this season. Yeah, I can't imagine, especially since Ixalan sort of lowered the power level a little bit, so that seems even less likely. Um, uh, yeah, I guess other than that, um, I mean, Walking Ballista is still really popular. I, I almost wonder if foil Walking Ballistas are a, per, a buy. I think they're like, what are they, like 15 or 20 bucks right now, something like that. Uh, and it's like, well, all signs point to this possibly being worth more or no it was i'm sorry it wasn't the foils it was the non-foils at like 10 bucks is like you could almost make a case for these um because it's like basically the best card in standard right now continues to be the best card uh and it's got an all, all the way until next october to be the next card and it's also like a top played card modern and shows up in legacy and vintage and edh and it's like Jesus card has really done a pretty good job. So I'm not telling you guys to like go out and buy copies of walking Blister or anything, but you know, if you're picking these up and trade at like 11, $12 at your local store, um, I I'd be fine with that because I think this could be 20 bucks possibly at, at, some at some point the, I mean, and if it doesn't get there in standard, then, you know, the foils are still good long-term buys. I think the, um, you know, the fact that I was picking up Russian foils early and confidently um, in, in much the same way that I'm now picking up uh, foil Russian FNM fatal pushes. Um, these cards are just are, are too good. They're cross-format all-stars. Um, there's no reason to hold back to get the rarest versions of them because somebody's going to want them down the road. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Did you have any other thoughts here on standard? Um, if ramen up red stays below 25%, then I think you probably want to be selling out of your Hazaret, the fervents. Um, red's not the kind of deck that people switch into like mid season. Uh, the kind of people that are into that have probably already got their copies from the spring or summer and are continuing on because they happen to have the shell pulled together already. Um, so, and, and we don't really have the, like the same kind of 
LGBTQ kind of like driving forces around um, trying to qualify for things that sell a lot of standard cards mid-season. So I, I really want to be kind of like getting in on my specs the first few weeks um, before a season starts and into the first week and then getting out within the first month um, and then expecting a lull until the next set shows up. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. And um, I will also comment to remind our listeners that the Star City Open generally sort of resembles um, what the Pro Tour will look like, but not that close all the time. So even though this feels like it could be what standard is, uh, we could see it change pretty dramatically by the time the Pro Tour rolls around. So keep that in mind. Uh, there still will be possibly room to uh, to really make some money um on standard if you have a good line on what's going on prior to the pro tour test 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 it's always the best way to make money in standard yeah i thought you were gonna i thought you were testing your audio (laughs) so we're not gonna have a topic of the week this week because we're gonna let travis off easy since he is getting hitched next week i can't believe it oh it's your brother all grown brother all grown up you're not getting you're not getting hitched next week no it's like a month of of November. Oh, oh, November. Well, you're still going to need a month to get ready. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it has been a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it it really is more about my brother who's getting married tomorrow, and I've got to go get some stuff prepared. Um, but Travis is also on the hook shortly, so send him your condolences yeah. and and wedding cards. Uh, yeah, send me anything you want to that I can hawk for money. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, James, where can our listeners find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at MTG Critic, as well as via my weekly articles on MTGPrice.com. All right, and I am Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Monday over at MTG Price with the Watchtower series. And I do the uh, webcast Monday evenings with the Cartel Aristocrats. And if you enjoy playing Magic, check out Scry.Land. Find Magic in your area. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service for just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. All right, James, uh, I thought that was a great episode. We managed to get in at under an hour, so it is possibly the fastest fast finance Woo! we've had so far. And I will uh, I will talk to you next week. Thank you, Travis, and we'll see you guys all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. Mm-hmm.